Well, this is our last week in the book of James. As you leave today, if you wish, there's a bookmark that will have the passages for the book of Psalms that are coming for the next nine weeks. You'll know we're doing each week. I'm going to conclude, and I'd like to ask that you would uh, be willing near the end to work through a significant prayer that I've written. The prayer is going to take around six or seven minutes. And it's going to focus on two things. One is going to be confession of sin, and the other is going to be releasing of the healing power of Jesus. But the, the idea of confession I want to talk about a little bit before, and let me just tell you a story. So all week long, I've been asking people with whom I have a relationship, could you tell me a time when you confessed your juicy sins, the, the sins that you wish no one would ever hear about, know about? And I asked all week long, and I, if I remember correctly, no one had ever done that. So in chapter 1, verse 22, which is a key verse of the book of James, G, James, the brother of Jesus, says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So we can't quite do it the way the text says it, because we're supposed to confess our sins to one another. But this is such a new experience. I'm going to do it a little bit differently today. I'm going to have us together, individually, confess really deep sins. I'm going to call them besetting sins or addictions. And the reason we're going to do it is the text says, if we will confess, we can be forgiven and we can be healed. Now, I'm going to caveat here. In fact, let me, let me, David, can I have just a slide number 11? Here's going to summarize a bunch of stuff I'm going to say, but I want to just make sure we're really clear. This is what I'm going to say in the next 27 minutes. Confession of sin is health producing. So we want to engage actually confessing our sins. Praying for one another is essential. So let's do it. Medical assistance is important. Seek it. When healing comes, embrace it. So this is all part of these seven verses. And we'll get that into just a second. So let me, I take you to chapter five. And let's go, I'm going to read 13 through 20. Then I'm going to walk you through it. And then I'm going to start really unpacking the idea of moving through confession to the place of healing. So James chapter five, beginning at verse 13. Please hear the word of the Lord. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain in the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. People of God, this is the word of God. Now let me walk you through it and explain it, and then we're going to break it down even farther. Look at this. Verse 13. Is any one of you among you in trouble? And so it's a rhetorical question, and the answer is yes. So let them pray. Is anyone happy? Rhetorically, yes. Let them sing songs of praise. 
Is anyone among you sick? Yes. Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Let me, stand, let me stop there now. There are two words in the Greek New Testament for anointing. There are two specific words, and the one would be like this. It would be, it'd be ceremonial and uh, carries religious connotations. So if, if a person is, is close to death and they invite me to come to be with the family, I'll read scripture, I'll offer words of consolation, and then I'll take anointing oil and I will announce the person soon to die in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and offer a blessing. Now that's one word for anointing. The word that's used here is a different word. So you're to call the elders and anoint with oil. This is what it's like. You take the oil and you put it all over the person. Today's words, antibiotics. They didn't have, no one could afford doctors except for the 1%. So the elders of the local church were the doctors. So you call the doctors, the elders, and they anointed you with what was considered to be medicinal, well, anointing oil. So the elders came in love, they cared for you, prayed for you, and they anointed you with medicine. So that, that's that, that verse. Now it continues on. Look, look what else happens. Following that. And then it says, uh, verse 15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the person well. The Lord will raise them up. Now, let's be, I mean, let me be really frank here. How many times have we prayed for healing and healing did not come? And so we get disappointed. Now, conversely, we pray for people and they are healed. So there seems to be a contradiction here. Let me move you farther what I've been saying now in the last several months. I would, I would prefer that we as a community don't use the word Christians to describe ourselves anymore. I prefer that we use the word disciples. Christians are used three times in the New Testament, and two of the times it's derogatory. Christians, Christians. They were called followers of the way. They were called the followers of Jesus, and they became Christians. But the word disciple is used hundreds of times. So a disciple is a person who walks in the step of the rabbi. So a disciple does what the rabbi says, does, says what the rabbi says, thinks as the rabbi thinks, as though the rabbi was living his life in us. And the scripture says he is. Yes? Now in that light, listen to this now. We're not trying to have the faith in Jesus. I'm inviting us to have the faith of Jesus. The prayer of a righteous person in faith, the faith of Jesus. So Jesus said crazy things like, you pray and you can throw this mountain in the sea. You can pray and do this and you can pray and do that. And we can say to ourselves, oh, I've prayed, nothing happens. Why? Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. What's he saying? We are so connected with Jesus. How he thinks, what he feels. We are, we are following our rabbi. We pray as he would pray. We do what he would do. So we're not just saying, okay, I gotta pray for this sick person. Give me faith, faith. Oh, and I'm gonna quit because it doesn't work. Now, this is, no, let me just segue out a little bit. This is why we have tried here for years to work on what's called the spiritual disciplines or rhythms. 
We have to train in righteousness. As an athlete trains, as a medical student trains, as a st whatever our, our skill occupy, we have to train. Why do we think we don't have to train to become more Christ-like? So remember now, you're following the steps of your rabbi. What did James want to say? James is the brother of Jesus. Don't just hear the words, do what it says. And so today, he says, confess your sins to one another. And, text goes on, pray for each other, purpose clause, so that you may be healed. So let me just ask you this question. Don't answer it. Just ask you. Have you ever confessed the really deep, juicy sins of your life to anyone? Let me hold the thought. Take you back to Genesis chapter 2. Before sin comes into the story. The text of scripture says that you leave your parents, you cleave and become one flesh. Verse 24, 25, 225, they were naked and felt no shame. So before sin, Adam and Eve were completely vulnerable, known, accepted, and loved as they were. When Jesus returns to bring back a new heaven and new earth, we will know every person and the new heaven and the new earth in that same way. There'll be no shame. There'll be no fear. We will know and be known fully because we are all together in the kingdom of God. So what we want to do as we learn to confess our sins, and initially, I think I'll suggest, I'll show you some stuff in a minute, it's humbling and humiliating to acknowledge our brokenness and our sin. But fundamentally, it becomes freeing. Jesus said in John 10, I've come to give you life and give it to you abundantly. Why do we not experience abundant life? My, my opinion is many of us, all of us, carry things of our past. Imagine carrying 50-pound weights, dumbbells, and we walk through life like this. And these weights we carry with us, and we're trying to act like we're normal, but we carry these hurts, these pains, these losses, these sins. And in the words of Leanne Payne, instead of living an upright life with the Lord, we live a bent life. And we are bent to people or families of origin or whatever, and we walk around like this because we have never confessed our sins. I remember many years ago, when Lane and I were married 43 years, probably in year 10 of our marriage or so, I was working crazy hours. She was home with four sons. You know, I'm serving Jesus and neglecting our family. And we had a, it was not good. So we went to Christian counseling and whatever, and they used a phrase that we've never forgotten. And the phrase is this. In a great relationship, we always keep current. Keep current. Which means what? Being more frank and honest with who we are in relationships so that we are well connected in the Lord. So having said that, let me take you back to this passage. So he says, then he says in verse uh, 16, of 16, therefore confess your sins, pray for each other so you can be healed, and the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let me look at the word righteous now. I've used this definition for righteous because I'm getting past all the religious talk. 
We are, let me, give you, let me give you a big phrase. We have received an imputed righteousness through Christ. That's what happens in new birth. But we get think imputed righteousness. So let me just phrase it. For me, righteousness is right relationships. We have a right relationship with our God through Jesus Christ. So what did Jesus say to the young person who wanted to know? So what, how, how do I get in the kingdom of God? What did he say? Jesus say, you shall love the Lord your God with heart and soul and mind and strength. Be in a right relationship with God. And then what does he say? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the etymology of the word neighbor is like this. Nigh boor. Nigh, close by, boor, friend, family. Jesus said you love, you're in good relationships with your nigh boors. So, what does it mean to be in great relationships? It is to be in a relationship that is free and full and current with our Lord Jesus. And it is to be in current relationships with our closest people. The prayer of that person, James says, is, righteous, is powerful and effective. So I have a wondering about me. Could it be that the prayers I pray have no impact, that I know of, is because I'm not in right relationship with God and others? So then I'm just, I'm just throwing words up. Hope, 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 and here's something, you know, get, get close. That, no. So the call to be a righteous person is to be in right relationships. Now this is where confession of sin comes in. To be in right relationships, we have to name our junk. We have to say it. But one of my favorite teachers is, was Dallas Willard. And Dallas said every church should be like an AA meeting. You know how AA meetings are. Hello, my name is Kevin, and I'm an alcoholic. What happens if in every week together we got together, and the people saying, you're, hello, my name is Kevin, and I'm envious. I am arrogant. I am judgmental. I am crabby. I am slandering. And you would say to me, hello, Kevin. What if we did that to each other every Sunday? Well, that's humbling, isn't it? That's humiliating, but it's freeing. So when I was in seminary back in the day, Dr. Raymond Brown, who wrote one of the preeminent texts that was used by seminaries across the world, systematic theology, had a class that we were all, people were kind of crabby with him, and he said, okay, I'm gonna give you a suggestion. When you're all senior pastors, one Sunday a year, have come to church naked Sunday. Why? He said, if everyone came to church naked, the humility in your church would be off the roof. Are you following me? We can hide an awful lot. But what happens if we are honest with who we are? So this is the great thing about being in AA meetings. We, we, they, people are just honest. Well, that's what James is talking about. When we confess our sins to another, what we're really saying is, the, so think about this. I'll show you in just a moment. It's humbling, it's humiliating, and it's freeing. You tracking me Okay. Or do you all want to go eat? <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm losing you, so let me go. Different direction. I'm going to stop at the passage. I'm going to come with some slides. Can I have slide four, please? Four and five, David. I'm going to talk about, so if 122, James says, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers. Think of all the sins throughout our study of the book of James that James has talked about. So these are the sins. 
that he's asking his church, his people to confess. Too much selfish talking. Too little selfless listening. Anger. Moral filth. Favoritism. A lack of generosity. Selfishness. Evil speech. Cursing others. Judging others. Envy. Selfish motives. Evil practices. Fights and quarrels. Slander, boasting, grumbling, lying, resentment, and forgiveness. James says, confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, i got to be careful here because I don't want to, remember, we, we, we want to embrace medicine and doctors. But if I, I reference this now for 29 years, a guy named Keith Miller wrote a book, There's More to Health Than Not Being Sick. And this was 1980. He did a study, that a study was done of the doctors in the state of Washington. And of all those doctors, they asked, what percentage of the people you treat have an illness that is at root physiologically caused? And the doctors in the study in the state of Washington said, said 10% of what we're treating has a physiological root. 90% was mental, emotional, and spiritual. So if we're living like this, how does that affect your back? If we're living like this, how does it affect your head when you hit the wall? But when we confess our sins, the scripture says God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of bad relationships. So, in that light, let me go to chapter number six, please, David. When we're, when we're moving to a time of prayer together. Did you catch James' connection between divine authority and confession followed by divine power released through prayer? Look at verses 15 and 16 one more time. And the prayer offered in faith, faith of Jesus, will make the sick person well. The Lord, Jesus, will raise them up. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, let me just give you a story from this morning. So first service, 8 o'clock service. Someone is in the first service and came up to see me. A year ago, the person was involved in a certain situation where the, it's a woman. This woman felt she had dishonored the Lord and disappointed others in our church family. But she had held that within, in her for a year. And this morning, after the sermon service, she came up to me, and she wanted to confess something. It was a role in a public situation. She felt she dishonored the Lord. She felt she dishonored our church family. So she just heard the sermon, and she walked up hunched like this. She's been carrying it for a year. And she began to weep. And so she began to rehearse what she had done. And it wasn't, this is not juicy sin. She just felt she dishonored the Lord in a public setting. So she's been carrying this for one year. For a year she's been carrying this. And now she is crying, just weeping with me. And so I said, well, what do you want to share? So she shared. I looked at her, tears running down her face. And I just said this to her. And we could all say this to each other. I said, in the name of Jesus, you are forgiven. And I watched. I watched her posture change. And the tears dried up. And she said, really? I said, really? 
And she walked out with her shoulders up and her head up because she had experienced confession and release. So let me ask you a question. How much stuff are you, are we carrying that needs to be released to the Lord? And hear the words of Jesus' brother. Don't just say it and read it. The words, do it. So let me stop for a second. So pretend now that I am a doctor. And what if I said to you, you have cancer, but if you'll do this particular thing, you'll be freed of cancer. Would you do it? So can I be a spiritual doctor? If you confess your sins, you will experience the freeing grace of God. We don't have to live like this. We don't have to live bent. We can be people who are free. So Jesus, I've come to give you life and give it to you abundantly. I told you the story when we were, when we were younger. Um, I was busy, came home late. We had a ping pong table, the table's up, the table's got a leg sticking out. I'm running around chasing the boys and I run in the corner and I got the, got the corner of the table right in my head. So the table's like this and like this. This end, I went right here. So I'm, I'm disoriented and I'm mad. Now I'm just, so all my anger just comes flying out, right? There's a hammer sitting here. I threw it across the room, I put a hole in the wall. Caleb and Kirk were so frightened, they ran upstairs and they hit under the beds. Lane is watching all this. She said to me, that wasn't your best parenting. <laughs> she said, really? She said, you need to make things right. I said, what should I do? I've got, I've got a wise woman I live with. She said, take your fraternity paddle, invite them to spank you. Okay. I went upstairs, asked them to come out front of the bed. Kirk came out first, took the paddle. You're forgiven, Dad. Caleb's turn. <laughs> I said, Caleb, am I forgiven? I'm thinking about it. <laughs> but that story lives in our family's lore because their daddy confessed their sins to his sons. So what happens when we confess? Something beautiful happens. Let me go a little farther because I want to give this prayer. Can I take you to slide seven, please? So a person of right relationships with Jesus and others is enabled to offer effective prayer. Now, I don't know if this is exactly right. Let me, let, me, let me throw a theory at you. I'm not a plumber, so pretend you, you're giving me some grace. But if I understand it right, under your sink, there's often an elbow joint. And oftentimes, hair gets stuck where? Right there, right? And so someone usually has to come in and help get the hair out of the elbow joint so that the water can flow, flee, flow, flow freely. When I don't confess my sin, the elbow joint in my heart gets all clogged with hair. When I confess my sin, the elbow joint of my heart is clear and the power of the Holy Spirit can just fly. The prayer of a righteous person, right relationship with God and right relationship. So this is why, this is so fun. It's so fun because our kids downstairs, you got to someday check with Angie, Angie Wave. Go downstairs with Angie some Sunday morning in the fall and watch the kids 
in children's ministry. These kids don't realize that they're not supposed to pray, or Kathy Deal, they're not supposed to pray until they go to seminary and get training, and they just think they can have a relationship with Jesus, they, he talks to them and they can pray. So they get little kids praying for healing for people, well, don't they realize they can't do that? What did Jesus say? If you want to be great in my kingdom, you gotta be like a little child. You wanna be first, you gotta be last. Little kids just think, well, okay, I can do this. And so they just, I'm watching kids just pray for people. Kathy, am I speaking the truth? Angie, is this happening? See, they don't realize, they don't know what the rules are. There aren't no rules. It's being in the right relationships. So to be free in the spirit, to be free from sin means we're just, we can pray. So then we want to be a people not having so much faith in Jesus. That's important, that's good. Yes, and Christo, yes, yes, yes. But we want to have the faith of Jesus. In the words of Jesus, ask what you wish and it will be given to you. Next, next slide, please, David. One more. Here we go. So why is confession so important? So here's my summary of what confession does. Confession of sin destroys autonomy and isolation. So I just imagine next week Sunday, as you come, your picture and your phone history is on the screen. And we all get to see each other's phone history. Where have I been? Where have you been? And if I don't have anyone who knows who I am in private, I can live with autonomy and isolation. I can do whatever I want because you don't know but know. But the reality is, right, everything is known. The Lord sees, the Lord knows. So this week I met with one of our elders uh, last week and we did juicy sins together. And we both, so I said, as a male elder, I said to this elder, so tell me, these right words? Humbling, humiliating, and freeing. Yes. Now stay with me. What would happen if you had a trusted one another who you would actually share the things in your story which are so negative or painful that the idea of it right now just makes you sick. But would you take a risk with a trusted one and begin to share? What's the purpose? To be free, to be healed. How about confession enhances prayer? The prayer of a righteous person. And the last one, confession creates authentic, life-giving accountability. So my friend who asked me every month about my sexual life, I love him and he loves me. I know it's coming every month. It's all good. And if I sin, I confess it to him. And then he says to me, in the name of Jesus, if your confession is real, in the name of Jesus, you are forgiven. I'm free. You're free. Next slide. So here's my paraphrase of 516. So if I read 516 in the, in the NIV, it says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person in right relationship is powerful and effective. So here's my translation, my paraphrase. The prayer of a person in right relationships with God and with others, those closest. Let me just talk about that one second, I'll come back to it. 
is of great power when energized. The energizer is the unquenched spirit. The healer is the magnificent Jesus. Now let's go back to right relationships. I said about the Nibor. Fundamentally, fundamentally, we are to be in right relationship with our God and with the people with whom we have the closest relationship. So for me, Elaine, our three sons here with us, their wives, their kids, the staff I work with, and our leaders. 30, 45 people. That, those are my neighbors. So I, I need to be in right relationships with God and with my neighbors. Now, when that's right, there's room for the Holy Spirit to work. Why? Ephesians 4. Don't quench the Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. When we're in, in sinful, broken relationships, the Holy Spirit gets quenched. And remember, some years ago, I did a series on the Spirit. We have three in one. Father, Son, and Spirit. Three in one. One Godhead, right? The Holy Spirit, I try to suggest to you, is a very sensitive person. And the analogy I used back then is just imagine if there was debauchery happening on this platform on a Sunday morning. You walk into church and there's debauchery happening here. Almost all of us would just walk out. The Holy Spirit who lives in us is appalled at the sin hidden deep within us. He pulls back. He doesn't leave us. He shrinks back because the Spirit is a sensitive, holy, holy, holy person. When we confess our sin, all the dirty stuff's gone. So we just confess our sins. We confess our sins. We confess our sins. All right. One more time. Last slide, and then we're gonna, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. So this is what I've been trying to say in different ways. Confession of sin is health-producing. Engage it. Prayer for one another is essential. Do it. Medical assistance is important. Seek it. And when healing comes, embrace it. So that's what, how James ends his book. Now, having said that, I'd like your permission to, to allow me to pray an extended prayer where I'd like to invite us to move into to a place of confession, personal confession. Now, we can't quite do it like James is talking about, but I really want to model this out for us. You can take this if you'd like. I will have our, uh, I'll put in Myra's box, Myra Van Z, I'll put this prayer in Myra's box, and if you want it, you can contact the church office. But what I'm trying to get at is inviting us to actually name sins and places where we are in bondage. I'm trying to be really clear and specific. That's where I want to lead us. So we're going to go through that, and then I would like to pause, and then I'm going to pray a prayer for healing. And I'm trying to put together what you see in James. We're going to confess our sins, we're going to pray for healing, and we'll see what the Lord wants to do. So are you following me with that? Is that okay? Okay? Okay, I've got to get to it. Two thumbs up, let's go. Okay, now, if at any time in this prayer of confession, if you'd like to kneel, you're welcome to do that. Let you see where the Lord leads us. Okay, can you quiet our hearts for a minute? Can you breathe out anything that's binding you, and would you breathe in Jesus? Deep breaths, breathe out anything binding, breathe in Jesus.
Let us pray. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Spirit, I have sinned against you, knowingly and unknowingly, in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have also sinned against you by what I have left undone. Almighty God, I acknowledge that I have sinned. In this moment, Lord, I turn to you. Oh, Lord, my God, I long to sense your presence. And so I pray that you would search me. I pray that you would know my heart. I pray that you would be mindful of every single chapter of the story of my life. So Lord, examine my actions. Examine my words. Examine my thoughts. Will you see where I have not lived in your light, your love, your grace, and your truth? I surrender. I acknowledge. I name. I confess. I long to experience your forgiving and restoring and freeing and healing. If I have given myself over to habitual sin, if I have made a home for darkness in my head or my heart, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me. If I have made a home for sin, Lord, would you enter that home and remove that which is evil, which is holding me and binding me and accusing me and cursing me? Lord, come to the front door and dismantle the works of evil in my life. Can you forgive me? Will you forgive me? 
Lord, please forgive me for the ways I have willingly and intentionally sinned against you, against my neighbors, and against myself. specific now. Lord, free me from the powers of my habitual, ongoing, besetting sin. Lord, release me from my addictions. Grant liberty from the hold of sin in this particular area of my life. Give me, Lord, what I cannot see, but can only ask for. Grant me freedom. Grant me life. You say you came to set the captives free. Acknowledge, I acknowledge my captivity in this area of habitual, intentional, besetting sin. So, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, set this captive, set me free. I want the abundance of life you promised. I want to taste the salvation you granted. I want to live in freedom. So Lord Jesus, our good shepherd, please don't leave me in this place. Please remove the power of this habit over me. I want to delight myself in you, but I require your power to remove the house of sin I have built. So destroy my addictions, obliterate my besetting sins. Deliver me from the accusations and lies of the devil. Free me from any accompanying evil. Release me from its power. More specific. Lord, please forgive my for perfectionism. Please forgive my selfishness. Please forgive my judgmental and envious attitude. Forgive me for feelings and thoughts of racism and diminishment of people who are different from me. Please forgive my legalism. Please forgive my rigidity. Please forgive my arrogance. Please forgive my pride. Lord, please forgive me for my lack of love for you. Please forgive me for my lack of love for my neighbors. Please forgive me for my, love, my lack of love for myself. Lord, in your mercy, 
forgive me. Now let's move into healing. If there's a specific place in your heart, mind, spirit, or body, would you be mindful of that? Lift that to the Lord Jesus Christ. Please, please release your healing presence into my life. Please cover me now with your light, your love, your cross, and your blood. Lord, in my illness, I feel pain. I don't understand its origin, nor do I know how to find relief. So I call on you. You, Lord, must be my relief. You, Lord, must be my healing. I come to you with a little faith I have, asking you for help and for healing, which comes from your heart of compassion. So as my creator, please release your compassionate healing energy. Demonstrate your ability to save, heal, free, and deliver. Remake me, Lord. Renew me, Lord. I offer myself and my life to you. Enter into my story uniquely this morning through the work of your spirit. Please, release your grace. Please, express your truth. I wait upon your word. I wait upon you. Glorify your name, Lord Jesus. May your kingdom come and you will be done in me today as these are done in the heavens. Now my specific prayer for healing. Now may the loving hands of Jesus Christ, the great physician, rest upon you now in heavenly blessing and healing. May the cleansing stream of his pure life fill your whole being, body, mind, and spirit to strengthen you and to heal you. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And now the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and this day give you healing peace. Amen. <laughs>